Welcome to the Profit First REI podcast, where real estate investors master financial management, eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, and learn to be profitable from day one. Now for your host, David Richter. Hey everyone, this is David Richter again with the Profit First REI podcast. And I'm really excited today to have another great interview with someone that probably a lot of people know in the real estate world. And if you don't, you really need to know him. So I'm going to introduce you to Mike Hambright today. And he's got a lot of things that he does in the real estate world. So I'm really excited to share that with you today because he's got Investor Fuel as his mastermind. He he has his own property. So this isn't just someone just teaching how to do it. This is someone who actually does what he teaches too, which is a huge thing to me. And I love that in the integrity of someone who actually teaches. He's got Flip Nerd. He's got a lot of things. I'll let him explain all that he has. But Mike, we really appreciate you being on today. And why don't you just greet everyone? Hey, David. Great. Glad to be here and looking forward to spending some time with uh, you and your audience today. Awesome. Well, we, we appreciate you being on it. I'm just going to dive right into it. What got you started in real estate? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I've told the story a few times. Some people might have heard this before, but I, I'm a, I kind of refer to myself as a corporate refugee. So I uh, it kind of played the game. I, I really was the first person in my family to go to college, let alone grad school. But it was all in the name of you know, when I look back now, I, I was trying to improve myself to make myself marketable. Like I'm trying to turn myself into something that I could sell, right? That people want to buy, right? Which is basically my time. And uh, that's kind of how college is, like build up a skill set that people will be willing to pay you for, right? But the problem is in the in the W-2 world, like they're only going to pay you just enough to not do something else, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I kind of played the game, went to college, got a, a what I thought upfront was a good job, only six months later to be like, is this all there is? You know, is this really what I went to school for? Is this really what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? And then to bounce around to a couple different jobs, ultimately went back to grad school because I thought, well, you know, how do I get ahead? Well, it's, I must need more formal education, right? So I uh, did that, took out a bunch of loans, gotten a bunch of debt, all that stuff. Went to a really great grad school, met my wife there, which is probably the best part of the whole thing. And I got a really good job afterwards. It took a while because the market was, was at a downturn. But was there for about three years. Uh, just this is the short version of the story. Great job, about a five billion dollar a year company, uh, huge company, right? And I was working directly for uh, the CEO, and and he got caught up in all this political stuff internally, and he got fired. And then I was his outspoken right hand man, and like, well, you you know, you they didn't say these words, but you got to go too. And so I was right behind him, and I went from like, hey, I'm a made man. I have the, the CEO is like my protection. He's my guy. He'll let me do whatever I want. And he's grooming me for bigger and better things to, you know, uh, an HR person pushing a cart with my box of crap in it to my car and like taking away my security badge. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. one, one day literally just changed everything. And it was like, holy cow. And it was, you know, it was a kind of a slap in the face ego wise for sure. Cause I, I was a made man. I was like, people were envious of my job and all the cool stuff that I got to do. And I bragged on it, of course. So I was like, made it even worse. Mm-hmm. And then I went to, you know, long story short, I went to another company that was flying high. I was doing great things, making a lot of money, really good. And then uh, they filed for bankruptcy one day. And, you know, some of the very same things that you, that you teach, right? A $500 million a year company couldn't even handle that because they're like, wow. top line looks good. Bottom line is absent, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, and in that instance, you know, they filed for bankruptcy, but I knew the writing was on the wall. Like 
companies don't disappear usually, but that's the, that's the end. That's the beginning of the end. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I left. And uh, at that point we had just had our son. He was like two months old. My wife had quit her job. She made more money than I did, honestly. And now we're like no income and a baby and trying to figure out how to be parents, which my son is actually turning 13 here in about a week. We still don't know how to be parents, but we <laughs> are still, you know, certainly then we didn't, we were in a far off land because we moved across the country for that job. And it was just all that stuff kind of culminated into like, how am I going to be responsible for my family? How am I going to be responsible for our us financially, right? Like, what am I going to do here? Do I just go back and keep playing the game and get another job where I work really, really hard for somebody else and have no control over like my destiny, right? And so, so that was kind of 2007 when I left my last, that last company and uh, started looking into some entrepreneurial things. I'd always been entrepreneurial spirited, I'd say from like lemonade stands and paper routes and all sorts of stuff all the way through some more advanced things, I guess, but really never formally had a business. But I kind of knew at that point enough to know that I wanted to be my own boss. Like I needed that, in my mind, security. I know a lot of people think that that's risky, but it's like, well, I know I work hard. I know I'm resourceful. I can figure stuff out. And I know that I can add value in whatever I do. I don't know how I'll do or what it's going to be. I didn't at that time. But anyway, so this is a, a little bit longer story than probably what you bargained for when you asked. But at the end of the day, I got into real estate in uh, t- early 2008, have flipped hundreds of houses, have been coaching and mentoring people for a long time, and then started uh, the mastermind. About th- We're actually coming up on our three-year anniversary here, Investor Fuel. And we run an agency, kind of agency model now for professional real estate investors. And, um, you know, I just kind of found a calling here. And the truth is, even at this point, for as immersed as I am in the industry, I think that I still, I believe at this point that real estate is just the, just the widget. Like, I feel like what I love is what entrepreneurship and being a business owner has done for me. Real estate happens to be the product because let's face it, you make a lot more money flipping houses than selling pizzas or tacos or right. whatever else it could be. And so I think this is the value of the properties provides some great paydays. And so... Anyway, long version of the story there, but that is, uh, that is my story is I just got uh, fired from corporate America and co- kind of corporate America let me down and needed to take my uh, future, my famous future into my own hands. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story too, because some of that stuff I didn't even know, some of the, the yeah. details of that. So that was that was awesome. <laughs> and and I'm glad you're in real estate now, because like you said, there's the real estate, if there's one thing that's like scalable or that could be that is worth investing your time and like that you can see the actual the actual return a lot quicker, I feel like, than you can in like you were saying, if if you were had a pizza chain or something like that. No but doubt. yeah, no, I I appreciate that perspective too. So this is the Profit First REI podcast. So I got to ask you some financial questions. So about Profit First, what are your thoughts on Profit First, the whole model, the bank accounts? Just you want to get us your thoughts and your feedback on that? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of real estate investors that are living deal to deal. Like they, they, they might be doing well or doing okay. We have some common friends that have even said to me like, hey, I made 80 grand last month. And then a week later, like all the money was gone. I just like don't mm. even really know where it went. And I, I know it didn't get stolen. Like I used it, I paid <laughs> down debt. I did this, I did that. But I think a lot of real estate investors are, you know, flying by the seat of their pants for the most part, right? And yeah. so in, 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 in a lot of instances, they're, even those that are successful are doing far better than they ever would working for somebody else, uh, which is a good thing. And I think it's just a matter of becoming more principled 
and how you account for that money. Because at the end of the day, this is one of the general issues that a lot of real estate investors have is they get some nice today money, like from wholesaling or from rehabbing houses. And then that money stops, right? And so I think you have to be building up cash to plow into things that have recurring revenue. It could be rentals. It could be, it could be multifamily. Even if you're a single family guy, like you don't have to only invest in single family. Like, and that's, that's kind of the path that I went down for years and years. We built up a single family portfolio and then we started investing in multifamily a, a few years back. And I'm like, wow, this is a lot easier. I can put a lot of money to work fast. There's some massive tax benefits for multifamily. And it's like, so I kind of, this realization of just because you make it in one place doesn't need, you need to, you can't invest it in another, right? Right. It could be even starting another business. It could be going into a new market, but all those things require you to have the financial discipline to build up kind of your reserves to be able to do that. Right. So the conceptually, I believe that a lot of real estate investors are, you know, they're not prepared when it comes for tax season. They're not prepared when it comes for these expenses that just pop up unexpectedly. And the idea of segmenting that into different buckets that allow you to make tax season a non-issue, allow you to make saving for your retirement a non-issue, allow you to invest in other things uh, is a good thing. Yeah. And I think what you said too, at the beginning, living deal to deal helps stabilize the business too. Cause a lot of, like you said, a lot of investors think deal to deal instead of, instead of year to year or like the, the whole, the the months, you know, they don't, you have a big deal closing now, but you can't use all that money if you don't have another one that's in the pipeline. Or if you do, it's like, like you said, it's the revolving door of that, the money going in and out. So I, I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah. There early on. So this was, you know, to go back 12 or 13 years there, there was somebody that I was talking to and and he was, he said something to the effect, I don't remember the exact words, but he's like, you know, I'm really, really running low on cash and I'm not sure whether I should advertise next month or finish a rehab. And I was just like, that's a problem. So it was around that time. We, we kind of realized pretty early on, my wife has a financial background. She used to work on Wall Street. So she's pretty savvy anyway. But for, even from the beginning, we always had before profit. I don't even actually remember when profit first was written, but it was before this. We had the we had the knowledge or understanding to like we need to separate our operations from our properties. Like any money we borrow for properties, any any money we've made from our properties needs to stay in that property account until we sweep it over to our operating account or to a reserve account mm-hmm. or something, right? And so we've always separated those things because I don't want finishing a rehab or holding a property longer than I, sh- than I wanted to or plan to or any of that to interfere with paying employees or paying for marketing because that's just a kiss of death. Yeah. And I love that. That's because that's what we teach with the profit first. Sorry, that's one of the first things. If, you, if you're going to set up some more accounts, it needs to be at least two, your profit account and then other people's money account, the rehab or repairs. So yeah. I love that, you're, that your wife and you had that foresight to be able to say like, okay, we need to separate this money out because that, that's such a simple thing that someone can do. And it really clarifies like, okay, if you do that, you're going to have to see if you can be a full-time investor or not. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really show you, are you using the repair funds to actually eat and live and pay your people with. And if you are, then you know that there's a big flashing red neon light there saying, stop, stop doing that. So I love the, I love that profit first is proactive and not reactive. Cause you look at your PNL, your balance sheet and that stuff that's happened. Profit first is really okay. What are we going to take it and how are we going to be proactive with it? So I really appreciate that too. Cause like, that's one of the, that's one of the main things that I would think a real estate investor needs is having that separate account for no knowing doubt. what's their money and not, not their money. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So you spoke about your wife being 
a financial a financial person and being on Wall Street and coming from that financial background. So she's kind of like your CFO right now, and she's put in some pretty good systems and processes that I've heard you uh, talk about in some of the groups that we're a part of. Would you want to talk about some of the systems that maybe might be relevant to a real estate investor? Some of the ones like you had mentioned Evernote that you use and some yeah. things that really helped you just get your handle around the finances and streamline yeah, Some of it was like making things more efficient for us internally. And some of it was like, setting up systems that have checks and balances in place so we can have a team, right? Mm-hmm. So that's always one of the problems of moving from an individual investor to a team is like you, on some level, especially in, in the financial and accounting areas, bookkeeping, all that, you need to have some checks and balances in place where, for example, somebody can see your bank information, but it's like read-only. They can't access, mm-hmm. for example. So a lot of people are worried about using a virtual assistant. It's like, well, we have a VA. Uh, so we, we used to have an in-house bookkeeper for many, many years. And over the past year or so, we've moved to an offshore VA in the Philippines. And she's amazing, right? But we needed, one, for her to have the access to do her job, and two, have some checks and balances so that somehow we can't get taken advantage of, right? Right. So, And there's also this kind of like channel of communication. Like, how do you do things to where you don't have to email stuff back and forth? Or honestly, when we had an in-house person and, and or when my wife was doing it, I got lazy. Like I would have, you know, probably a lot of people will resonate with this. Come home for the day and you have this like stack of receipts in your pocket from getting gas or going to Home Depot or all these things. And you just have this big wad of like receipts and, you know, it's a huge pain in the butt. Of course, technology has helped a lot with a lot of these things too. But uh, so now, you know, we just, we set up a system to where everything goes into a pipeline and anybody that needs to see it can see it. And if they missed it, it's there for reference. And so, For example, anything that is billing related, bookkeeping related from vendors need payments, employees need, like 1099 employees need payments. Somebody needs a reimbursement, like any of those things, anything that kind of needs to get to your bookkeeper. We created, uh, just to give you an example, an email address. Uh, We use Gmail, we use Google Suite, G Suite, whatever they call it now, for our company that's like billing at company name, right? And so anything that needs to get to our bookkeeper that needs to be paid or that needs to be kind of warehouse, like store this information, goes to an email address that is basically a distribution list. Anything that goes to that distribution list, it just goes to one, well, a couple people get it, but it also gets stored in Evernote. And so, and I will tell you this, you know, I don't think if you, if this is like learning new things about me, one one also thing that you probably didn't know is we went through an IRS audit before. So this was probably like, gosh, probably seven or eight years ago. And they found no wrongdoing and, you know, but it did, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it turned into like 10 months of like sleepless nights and a lot of like pain, right. Just to like prepare, like, Hey, we need you to prepare this three foot stack high of stuff. And then we're like, here you go. And they're like, Oh, we don't need it now. It was just like a game. It was just like, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was not fun, but it was definitely not fun for my wife. Cause she bared the brunt of most of that, but they required so much like paperwork and so much stuff. And at the time, I think they were a bit shocked at how organized my wife was. Nice. But that experience only made it more like, hey, if we're ever audited again, like I'm totally ready. If anybody ever needs anything, I'm ready. To the point to where we have a CPA that's one of the recognizes usually one of the top in the country for real estate investors. And they literally like a lot of, you know, big players, multifamily people, commercial people use this company. And they, they, we moved to them last year and they literally told my wife, 
you are literally number one. You are the most organized client we have, you know? That's awesome. <laughs> and so, um, but part of it is doing things like this. We used to scan everything and store it in Dropbox. And now that email address that we send stuff to, Billy Nat, has an extra email address on it, which is basically an Evernote note. Uh, it just stores them as files, right? But the cool thing about Evernote is that you can search in the text that it scans. So when you scan stuff, we used to just have a bunch of pictures, right? Or PDFs or JPEGs mm -hmm. of receipts and invoices and stuff like that. Now everything that go there is scanned and it's readable. So you could do a search for a store name or a person name or anything like that. You can very quickly find when did I pay this person or what did I pay them or whatever. And so, but effectively um, it ends up being a note and our bookkeeper's responsibility is to take each of those files that come in and address them, make sure they get paid, make sure this happens, this happens, whatever. So anyway, that's, that's one kind of simple example of a way that we've kind of automated. Anybody and anywhere can send a receipt or a copy of receipt or an invoice to billing at company name. Okay. And, and it goes in the pipeline of stuff to address. And the whole story behind that, if you don't have a system, it's, it's going to come back to buy you. But also, yeah. it probably gives you a lot more peace now, too. Having a system, knowing that if something were to happen again, you've got something in place in order to be able to say, like, okay, I'm covered. They can go through this stuff, and I, I'll be good to go. Plus, it's also giving you great data, too. I mean, your numbers are your data. So it's like it's not only giving you peace of mind, it's giving you peace of mind on the financial side and the numbers side, so that way you can make the better decisions. Yeah. Yeah. For those that don't have a bookkeeper, I mean, it's such, most of us is real estate. Events. Like we have this kind of joke in, internally <laughs> with my wife and I is um, that if it was up to her, she never would have bought a house because she's risk averse. She's going to overanalyze it. And, and, and if it was up to me, or if I was managing the whole thing, like from a cash management standpoint, a financial standpoint, we would have like crashed and burned a long time ago. And, and I have a finance undergrad degree and I worked in finance for a long time, but it's just not my area of like, I'm just not detail oriented enough Mm -hmm. to put the effort, like I'll get to it and I could do it, but it's just, you know, I tend to like let it pile up because I'm like, that's not really what I want to do. Right. And I yeah. think a lot of people resonate with that. A lot of people probably listening to this resonate with that. And so once you have those systems done and you have somebody that's responsible for that. So first off, it's very cost effective now because we are using a, a, a VA from the Philippines. We specifically found somebody with a finance degree. You could find CPAs in the Philippines. A lot, really cost effective, honestly, now. We don't take tax advice from a VA. We don't take, you know, at the end of the day, my wife oversees everything. But in terms of just the uh, brain damage of receipts and payments and invoices and little things that are very, very administrative. And once you find that person, it makes your life a lot easier. Because truthfully, now what happens is our financials for all of our companies are up to date, almost real time, like on a daily basis, almost real time. I'd certainly say at the week, like to the point to where we have a closing process and our financials are ready for the previous month by the seventh of the following month, each month, totally done and ready to go. Awesome. And so it's just as when you're running a business and everything I teach and I practice and I talk about in our industry is around running your business like a real business. And that's just one of the many things that you have to have to be a real business is right. to understand financially where you're at. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. So talking about that too, are there any like key performance indicators, those KPIs around finances that you either recommend to real estate investors or that you have yourself or just things about around the actual finances that might be helpful for a real estate investor? 
I mean, I would say, I'll say this, like, I think those are all driven by the, whatever the person's goals are. Yeah. Right. But I do think that you should, I don't really, I don't know what, what profit first says or what you advise David, but I think most people should really have a three to four months of whatever your expenses are per month, three to four months of cash on hand to cover that. Because mm-hmm. we went through COVID, we went through some issues here. turns out a lot of real estate investors are, their businesses are doing better this year than in the past, if not, or if, you know, if not at least equivalent. Um, because the retail market is still really strong. But I think hopefully this experience and your podcast and things like this are showing people like, what I hate about the our industry is a lot of people get into it. And again, they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants and their families are dependent upon it. And sometimes their employees' families, are, there's a lot of people in your circle that are dependent upon your success. And I think you just need to kind of build that moat around your business to where your business has a longer life, right? And so anyway, what I would advise is having at least three to four months cash on hand so that if you have a bad month or you end up sitting on some inventory or you have a bad spell and you're not buying as much as you used to, that you can weather that storm. Honestly, it just helps you sleep better at night to not worry about like living deal to deal or effectively check to check, right? Awesome. Yeah. And that's why a system like Profit First is great too, because you could stick it in another bank account that you're not looking at. Because as an investor, you see money in an account, it's gone. You know, like, yeah. so you, you, you need to be able to put it somewhere else. So that way you're not looking at it every day. And so that way you've stocked it away. So I really like what you said there about, you know, having the, having it saved up for at least a quarter or two. So that way you've got something in the bank. Then you just you have, have to be dry disciplined. powder, right? It's like, right, exactly. If you, if, I hope nobody's ever this listen this has ever had to do this do this. But imagine you're set aside money for your kid's college fund, and they're a few years away from going to college, and your family has this hardship where you need to go dig into their college fund. Like that, for most people that are hearing this, if you if you haven't had to do that, or if you ever came close, that probably caused you a lot of pain, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh my god, like I can't believe I'm doing this. Like that's what separate accounts should do for you. Is like if you have to go dip into the reserve fund something's wrong. Like you, right. you need to, if you haven't set it properly, you shouldn't have to do that. I mean, we have reserve accounts on our, all of our companies and mostly we're sweeping stuff into it. Like, unless we're taking a distribution as owners or whatever, but it's not like we're leaving enough cash in our operating accounts to cover any needs we should have. And it's an insurance policy, right? But it is there if you need it. And so sometimes just try, putting that wall there it's it's crazy. It's like you're putting it in another pocket, right? Yeah. You know, your mind tells you like, don't ever stick your hand in that pocket unless yeah. it's like absolutely critical. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Awesome. So we're, we're about wrap it up here. Is there anything else that you would want to share with the real estate investors regarding finances or just anything while you're on the podcast? Yeah, I would say, you know, again, I just kind of said this, but treat your business like a business. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. you've taken on a lot of, if you're a full-time investor, you've taken on a lot of risk up front to bet on yourself. And like I said, there's a lot of people that depend on you. Um, your family's well-being, and probably a lot of people around you, probably more people around you than you know, depend on you to be successful. So you owe it to them and yourself to treat your business like a business and not just be going deal to deal or transaction to transaction and uh, make sure that you're able to not only survive, but thrive even if the market is down. So treat your business like a real business is what I'd say. Awesome. Man, that's great advice because if people just thought of it like a business, they, they know they need systems for every single every single part of their business, including their finances. So uh-huh. that, that was awesome. So I want to ask you, when we close out the show with, for our listeners, how could they provide value to you? I know you have Investor Fuel, you have some masterminds, you've got Flip Nerd, you've got a couple different things <laughs> that you have. So I don't know what, if you would want to give what could be the most value to you that our listeners could provide. 
Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, value to, to me and to the industry, like just be good to each other. There's so many people out there that are like nagging each other on each other's cases about this or that. And at the end of the day, like nobody cares about your bickering or any of that <laughs> other than the people in this industry. And it just makes you look bad, yeah. but just be good to one another, help one another out in terms of value to me and any ways that I can help you. We do run uh, the, I run the investor fuel mastermind that I founded about three years ago. And we have about a hundred of the top investors in America, people that have committed to their own success. And they really, uh, you know, one of the things that we require of our members is they're big givers to one another. They help each other out. So we've created something very special here for people that kind of give and learn a lot in the process. And for people doing, you know, we have a couple groups, one that is our gold group, people doing between 10 and 50 deals a year. And our platinum group is for those that are doing 50 deals a year plus up to several hundred deals a year. So we've got a lot of amazing people, a lot of amazing entrepreneurs and givers in the Investor Fuel. Uh, our next meeting is coming up actually pretty fast. So we'd love for you to just go to investorfuel.com. You can actually schedule a call with us to learn more about it. So that's Investor Fuel. And I run an agency for professional real estate investors that's kind of done for you. If you want your leads just coming in, you don't have to think about it all the time. And you want uh, data-driven lead generation instead of, again, flying by the seat of your pants. We are confident that we generate uh, higher quality leads than most people that are doing this for themselves and most other agencies as well. So that's uh, for that, you'd go to theinvestormachine.com and learn more about that. And again, you can schedule a call and talk to us if you're interested there. Awesome. Well, then there you go. He gave you the websites and I really believe in Mike too. He is, like he said, the people in that group are givers. And that is, if you're looking for a great group to be a part of, I highly recommend Investor Fuel. They're one of the ones that I'm a part of personally too. So I know and I see the inside workings and there's everyone in there is a giver. And it's it's refreshing, honestly, in the real estate world to have a group like that. And so I really appreciate you, Mike. You're bringing a ton of value to the real estate world. You need to look up Mike too. He's got a ton of videos out there. He's got a ton of training that you can go out there and look up to. So just look up Mike Hambright. And Mike, we really appreciate you being on the podcast, sharing your financial stories, the, the systems that you use. And we just really appreciate all the value you've brought today. Hey, thank you, David. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you found this episode valuable, could you do me a quick favor? Can you give us an honest rating within iTunes? And be honest, you could say whether you liked it or not. And obviously with iTunes, the more reviews and ratings we have, the better it is for other people that are searching for Profit First and a podcast. So we'd love to be ranked on there. And that's thanks to your help. So we would really appreciate that if you would like to go give us a rating. Also, if you're looking to connect with us further, I would highly recommend checking out our Facebook group, Profit First for Real Estate Investors. And that's literally what it's called. So you can type in Profit First for Real Estate Investors and you'll be able to find our Facebook group right there. So come join active real estate investors who are supporting each other and growing their businesses and profits together. That's what that group is all about. The link should be in the description below. And if you're interested in working with us and implementing Profit First in your real estate business, we offer coaching and guidance. So if you want to work with someone who's actually Profit First certified and who works right now currently with real estate businesses, you can actually go start your application process by going to simplecfosolutions.com forward slash apply, or just go right to simplecfosolutions.com and there's an apply button right on there. If you want to actually start your Profit First journey with someone who can actually walk you through those step-by-step and help you know and grow your cash flow. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Profit First REI podcast. See you next episode.